Welcome to the Adventures in Arden podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things art-related. This is episode 112. Online learning during COVID, recorded on October 7th, 2020. My name is Julie Fafam Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Schubalzer. Hi, Mom. Hi, Julie. And you're really with me because you're literally right here. I'm looking at you. I'm poking you. Stop poking. (laughs) So it's nice to be in the same space. And the reason we're here is because um, today's show, I asked people a while back, maybe a month or so ago, to send us a voice recording telling us about their um, online learning during COVID experiences. And so in order for mom and me to like hear them and talk about them, I thought it would be good for us to be in the same space. So I will just mention at the top of the podcast, speaking of online learning, that of course, if you would like to learn why I just happen to have so many fabulous online classes for you, both live online classes taught via Zoom and work at your own pace classes taught um, on my website at balzerdesigns.com. So I hope you'll check that out. There are our art classes, there are um, printmaking classes, there are drawing classes, there are scan and cut classes, there's a lot of stuff. And prices range in the classes, everything from $15 to $200, I think is my most expensive class. So there's a lot in there. Um, And as always, if you'd like to help the show, please post about this episode uh, or share it with a friend because that's the kind of stuff that helps other people find the show. So we're going to start right out with recommendations and then we're going to get into some really wonderful um, and thoughtful comments that people left. So, Mom, what New York Times article are you recommending today? Haha, it's not a New York Times article. I don't want you you. to think I'm a one-note person. No, this is... (laughs) A weird thing. So there is a website called timberfestival.org.uk and they have an annual international forest festival. It's all sorts of things having to do with trees and forests. And normally, of course, they get together and meet in person, but 2020 being what it is, they give you the plans for 2021 all kinds of lectures and activities but then they have a section you can click on which is about 2020 alternate activities and the thing that i like there is there's a thing called the sounds of the forest sound map of the world and people all over the world have recorded the sounds of a forest near them so you can click on any of the little th- little things and hear a forest in South Africa a forest in Santa Cruz a forest in Malaysia and its birds and its water and it's all kinds of you know so there's two things I have to say which is one it's, it turns out it's harder to interrupt you in person than it is when we're on Skype so that's interesting I want to go back to Skype and two we can't go back we can only go forward and two is that when you said timber festival for some reason i thought of lumberjacking so when you talked about forest noises i was like oh we don't mean like timber like it's coming down we mean like timber like we love the forest and we're not turning it into kindling and i actually think in as time when we're all stuck in our homes and we find it hard to travel that it's wonderful to sit and listen to the natural wonderful worlds. sounds 
from other parts of the world. So I did hear something on Science Friday that said bird songs are changing because of COVID, which I thought was really interesting. And they said the reason why is so it's primarily birds in cities. And what they found is they used to have to sing much louder to be heard over like traffic and ambient noise and stuff, and they just don't anymore. So they're going back to sounds that they made that were more like what they sounded like in the 1970s or 60s and stuff like that. And so bird watchers have really noticed it and scientists I find it really interesting to see how like they're literally changing because of it so well bird noises are something that ordinarily you sort of don't notice or i don't notice but when i've traveled to places where there are fewer people for example and in africa if you're on a safari one of the things you notice is the many different bird sounds that you've never heard before and and Another place I've found that to be true is in Alaska, in places like Denali National Park, where you just hear these other kinds of bird sounds and you're aware of it. So this is a way to do it. You can uh, play it off your computer. You don't have to go to a special site. And uh, I think it's very relaxing that and it's fun. fun. It's like travel from your desk chair. That's interesting. That's like maybe you've done a couple nature things recently. I feel like you. I feel like maybe it's time for us to go into the woods. Well, my, there are my, some woods nearby here, actually. You know how I feel about Two camping. Two girls go into the woods, only one comes out. Anyway, the more camping, <laughs> more the more the outdoors resembles the indoors, the more comfortable I am. I happen to agree with that philosophy, but I think it might be because you raised me that way. <laughs> So my recommendation is actually kind of related to the topic of our podcast today because my recommendation is, um, I don't want to say it's vague, but let's say it's general, which is I have been having a lot of fun with the two quilt guilds that I belong to, even though we can't meet in person. So I belong to the Cambridge Modern Quilt Guild and they did uh, recently have had a lot of like challenges. They had like, they've had some interesting get togethers and meetings and speakers and they've been doing a thing where members are basically sharing like a skill or a talent that they have. So you learn from somebody else, like how they organize their fabric stash or how they, you know, cut half square triangles or whatever. And, and that has been really fun. And I've really enjoyed the stimulation of um, particularly the challenge was just intellectually interesting to see what everybody created within the same parameters. Um, and then I also belong to uh, the Quilters Connection Quilt Guild, which is a much bigger guild. And they are having um, their entire series of lectures and um, uh, and classes are online on Zoom this season. And actually, as someone with a baby, like this is fantastic. I, I'm loving the idea that I can do it. So I'm actually taking two uh, one-day classes coming up from my local quilt guild. And one of the really nice things about that is I know this teacher and she teaches uh, on Zoom regularly and it's much more expensive then when you sign up with your guild, because guilds always get a price break because they like guarantee a certain number of students kind of deal. So I think that's really nice. And often sometimes guilds will subsidize classes and stuff too, which is even better. So my general recommendation is to say, okay, you don't have to be a quilter. And I will just point out that there are actually a couple of people I know in, in the Quilters Connection Guild who don't sew and aren't quilters, but they like going to the meetings for the artist talks and they don't feel the need uh, they find it just like as artistic st stimulation. So even if you're not a quilter, uh, if you're 
a knitter or a sewer, if you're a sculptor or a painter, if you're a scrapbooker, if you're, you know, any of those kind of creative things, there are usually groups um, for people. I know that even our local library has crafty get togethers for people and your library may too, but it is nice to have that connection and the challenges and kind of, you know, uh, meet loosely with other like-minded people. And a lot of people who are not necessarily like Instagram types. So you get a very different perspective because honestly, I think the kinds of things that show well and do well on Instagram and some other social media platforms are not the, the same as the things that people are making in quote unquote real life, um, where it isn't all about the photographs. Uh, so that's just something, so that's my recommendation. Find a group near you, a guild of some kind and join it. Uh, okay. So should we get into the meat of the podcast? Let's get into the meat. Um, so let's listen and, uh, hear some of what people have to say. Okay. Hi, my name is Barbara and I live in Washington state due west of Seattle. Um, during this COVID time, I've been trying to focus on art as much as I can as I struggle to focus. Um, and I think we maybe are all feeling that way. I'm not sure. I know I am. I keep myself working, taking uh, different art classes, most of them by Zoom. I've always wanted to draw birds, so I've been Zoom taking Zoom classes with John Muir Law from the Audubon Society. Um, his classes are free, and the, and the previous ones that I've taken are actually on the Audubon Society under his name and their videos you can watch. It's hands-on drawing as he talks and demonstrates how to draw birds. Good stuff. I just took his second bird drawing series, session one, this morning. I've also taken an online course from Roxanne Evans-Stout's Stout. I did her notebook journey class, um, lovely class filling journal pages with drawings, mixed media, and painting techniques. Um, and um, freeing yourself up in doing so. Um, and I've also taken some classes from Barbara DePiro, who represents Golden Paints. I've taken several of hers using or learning about uses for Golden's gels, mediums, and paints. Wonderful information. Um, most of most of the classes I've taken, they give the materialists and the prep and preparation advice. Um, I'm enjoying my secluded time seeking additional art knowledge whenever I can. And, um, it's, it's, it's been a good experience. Um, take care. Hi, my name is Liz. I live in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. I have spent the last six months on a mission to finish everything I started over the last 15 years. 10 new quilts, four from the past and several in the process, I have learned many new tricks and over um, and developed a whole new appreciation for the art of piecing and quilting. I have watched many YouTube videos on quilting, alternatives to binding, and free motion techniques and design. I own a Bernina Q20 sit-down machine and am absolutely convinced it was the best choice given my space limits, and also being a small frame woman, the loading and actual quilting on a traditional long arm didn't appeal to me. I have mastered binding and machine finishing the binding, 
without using decorative stitches, which to me detracted from the look I wanted. Having a closet full of quilts now, I am right now tasked with making a lot of people happy, at least I hope happy, to receive one of my finished pieces. Quilting has been a way to stay busy, focused, grateful, and blessed to be able to share so many gifts. The most important aspect to me during the pandemic is that people all over the world are in need of an alternative passion, learning how to be by yourself, filling your time with new ideas, developing different methods of learning, and respecting your body's limitations. These are all lessons I will take into my future piecing and quilting, no matter what the next year brings. Thank you. Hey, Julie. My name is Holly Doherty. I'm calling from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I've been following you forever, and I love you and your mom and your podcast and your family. been having such a good time over the years. Regarding what I'm doing online in COVID, I've been taking free Italian lessons on Duolingo, and I've discovered so much about animals and their eating habits in Italian. It's really crazy. Things I don't need to know, but it's bringing me around to some new stuff I didn't know I needed. I'm part of a Zoom book club, which we used to be in person once a month, and now we're doing it via Zoom. And one of my friends has made it possible for all of us to keep it together, which has been fun. I'm taking free online ukulele lessons, but I'm really kind of lazy about practicing that, so I'm not very good with that one. Um, I've been reading you and following you and loving your classes over the years. Uh, I'm so ready for all of this to be over. I retired a year ago, and I'm so sad that I've had to cancel trips and can't see my grandkids in Texas and have missed a lot of things. But I'm just very thankful for being able to study things and learn things. And I sign up for classes, anything I can find online where I can enrich my mind and my life. And I just appreciate you and everything that you do for all of us. And I hope that we all come out this on the other end, being most appreciative for all the things that we can do and that we have the ability to share. I love you, Julie, and I'm so thankful for everything you do for all of us. Have a great evening and a great day, and I appreciate you very much. Thank you. My name is Joanne Noyori Campisi, and I live in Venice, Florida. I took Julie's class online, working with a limited palette, which started on May 1st. It was wonderful, as are all of Julie's classes. Only problem was that I also thought it would be a good idea to undertake the 100-day projects, which started on April 7th. I asked Julie if I was biting off too much, and she, su she suggested that the two could be combined. And so that's what I did. I committed to 100 days of nature printing using my etching press. The reason I chose that project was because I had an etching press sitting in my studio that was collecting dust. In the beginning, it was exciting to have whole days ahead of me with nothing to do except nature print and turn the wheel of my etching press, which was the only exercise I got. I printed about five to 10 pieces a day resulting in about 1,000 prints. I kept a journal of what I did each day, including the plants and inks used. I printed on handmade papers, papers, muslin, and canvas. 
After about 20 days, I asked myself why I thought this was a good idea in the first place. Surely nature printing for 100 days was not a hardship, but I wished that I had allowed myself the flexibility to use a jelly plate, stomping press, brayer fun, or my hands. I then realized that this was my project and that I could print anything that I wanted, any way that I wanted. What did I learn? That during a pandemic with so much chaos surrounding us, having purpose each day was a lifesaver. It was therapy to collect leaves each day and transfer the print to paper, whichever way made me happy. Hello, uh, my name is Jocelyn and I'm a teacher in Miami, Florida. Um, during quarantine, I was home alone uh, while my husband went to work. And what I found that helped so much was being able to make art. And um, what really made a difference was doing online classes. I took a couple of yours. Uh, the first one was your free two-week uh, art journal class. And it was such a wonderful surprise and a treat every day to be able to look forward to seeing the video and, and actively making art. And uh, the second one was your two-week art journal with limited palette. And uh, it was just such a good thing to have something from outside um, of myself, not just trying to come up with projects to do, but to have someone else, you know, that I could learn from. I learned so many things that were outside of the box for me and uh, new techniques, new experiences, things that I hadn't done before. So uh, it was just wonderful being able to do these online classes. Um, I haven't done a Zoom class yet. I will in another week or so. I'm taking your jelly plate uh, Zoom class that uses leaves and things from your backyard, which I can't wait to do. But I guess the main thing for me during quarantine was having that outside influence and outside connection with, with you and with others, you know, making art. Um, it made it feel like you aren't so alone and you had something fun and creative and exciting to look forward to each day. And uh, I guess that's the main thing that I want to share is that uh, making art and having the opportunity to, to you know, take these classes, uh, that it, it made a huge difference in, in the day and not feeling so alone and just having something to look forward to. So uh, I greatly appreciate it and, and am looking forward to doing more, more classes like that. Thank you very much. Hi, Julie. My name is Lucia, and I love your show, Make It Artsy. And since I started watching Make It Artsy, since I retired two years ago, I have been obsessed with all of the stuff, cool stuff that you do. I am a, an avid jelly printer. I am obsessed with it and love it so much. So when I wanted to learn more about what to do, I found you on the internet with all of your little um, classes and I joined everything I could join for you. Um, 
I can't afford right now to take your online classes, but I feel like I really get a lot out of whatever I watch you do on um, the internet. I also like uh, Dina Wakely and have watched a lot of her stuff. So I feel like I'm learning from YouTube, the internet, and uh, just doing it over and over and over again. I have about four journals that I've been working on. I made an envelope journal and a couple of envelope journals and love them. And then I got a big one and I'm with different kinds of paper in it. And I've been loving working on that. So I'm sorry, I forgot to say I'm from Edgewood, Maryland. So love you so much. Love all the stuff you do. And please don't ever stop. Your baby's adorable. Thanks. Hi, I'm Peggy Joyce, and I live in Albany, Oregon. I'm a big fan of online classes. I've taken a bunch of them, especially a bunch of Julie's classes, mostly because they allow me to work at my own pace and I can be in my own studio, which I really like. But also because it keeps that nasty little inner voice of mine who keeps telling me that my work is not as good as the person who's sitting next to me out of the way. So I love online classes because the teachers are always reminding me to value my own work and to honor my inner creative juices. And that was especially true of a class I took at Carla Sondheim's site from a mixed media artist called Kara Kramer. It was a stop motion class and it was so much fun. Oh my God. I had more fun learning how to shoot stop motion animation shorts, learning how to create inanimate movement, drawing, cutting paper, collaging, I mean, and creating audio sounds. Oh, I could sync the sounds and learn how to make the movement and create my own special audio effects. It was so much. It was such a blast. And then everybody shared what they were working on in their project in this a private Facebook group. So I, that was, I found that to be the most rewarding class that I have ever had online. Hi, Julie. My name is Sue Carroll. I live in Maryland. And I've taken several classes on Facebook Live. The best one I took was from Gwen LaFleur. Uh, she taught on making a mixed media book. She was really organized and put up templates and tips on class preparation um, at least a week before the class itself. So we could do a lot of the work beforehand. And then the classroom time on Facebook Live, she spent demonstrating the binding technique for the book and how to put it all together. We could work along with her and um, post our questions, which she answered then there, then and there live. Um, after the class, we could post on the Facebook page pictures of what we were doing to get more feedback. And uh, the whole class was really good. It lasted far longer than just the live Facebook time and built sort of a community. We were all commenting on each other's work, which was cool. I took the class because I really wanted to push myself to do more with embellishing my work. And Gwen is an ace with embellishing. 
And I really went out of my comfort zone, but I ended up loving what I did. I did learn a lot. And I always love a class where we come out with our projects look different. They each carry our own mark of our own personalities and preferences and much better than a class where you come out with something that looks just like the instructor's work. Anyway, um, I do miss the energy that is generated when you have a classroom of students. I still appreciated though with the Facebook Live that I could go back and replay the video and um, watch the pieces that I wanted to learn exactly how something was done and I didn't catch the first time through. So that was cool and I will definitely take more um, Facebook Live classes. So I have to say, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of uh, overwhelmed and delighted and thrilled with all those messages. I thought everybody was so um, thoughtful about what they had to say and came from so many different perspectives. I think that's right. And there are a number of things that occurred to me uh, as I listened to them. And one of the first things that occurred to me was some people wanted to learn something new. Mm. like the stop action films and other people couldn't wait to spread their wings in some skill that they were already loving like jelly printing yeah and so i think that's two different ways to figure out what kind of project you want to do do you want to try something completely new or do you want to go uh, deeper go deeper into something you already know you love and add in the the person who said she was do using equipment that she hadn't used in a long time it was just sitting around that press of hers and i think this is another good time at you go through your stash of supplies and maybe there's something you never thought you had the time to do and now you can start exploring right. it. Well, the idea of all those unfinished quilts, 15 years worth of right. unfinished quilts. I mean, I think the, the most of us don't realize how much we actually already have. Exactly. And there might be, frankly, there might be a neighbor or a friend or someone who has a piece of equipment that they don't use that you could borrow to see if you like doing that. Yes. And I will say as an anecdote uh, that is related shockingly my 100 day project this year was gelatin printing and you know what for the first time in my life i've actually scraped the bottom of my acrylic paint stash i literally actually have to buy more paint which is kind of shocking so or i have to really dig into the good stuff which why i'm saving it lord knows why are you saving it in case i in case i become a serious artist at some point and need the good stuff I will say this is somewhat like saving one's wedding china oh, this is for a, the right it, guests this is or for 100% the right occasion. Like that. Then it's you like, might as well not have it. I agree. It's like it's and it's antithetical to all the advice that I give everyone that I teach, and I'm not practicing what I preach. And nonetheless, I am hoarding my beautiful expensive tubes of paint instead of using them. And I don't know why it's crazy pants. So you know what? When we when we I almost said hang up, but we can't hang up because you're sitting next to me. Um, when you go home, I'm taking out the good paint, and I'm going to do whatever I want with it. Well, it does remind me. I've always felt it was kind of nuts. For example, you, you buy a more expensive dress that you're going to wear, wear fewer times for some special occasion, and then you have 
the ratty stuff, you know. It's like really your, your, your jeans or your black pants or something should be like $300. Right. And then the dress you wear to like a wedding should be like 20 bucks. Exactly. Like that's the, that's exactly. the way that it should go, but it never does. Anyway, besides what uh, I, I think you were saying too, like I also noticed that there was a nice mixture of people who were interested in taking classes that were free um, or taking advantage of what people are posting on Instagram and YouTube and all that other kind of free content and people who uh, were paying for content. And I always think like that is one of the very nice things, which is that you have both options open to you depending on what uh, your ability to pay is. You well, know? let's talk about that because that also struck me was uh – one person was saying she didn't have the extra income to spend on classes. Yeah. So maybe we can come up with some suggestions off the top of my head. I can tell you that a lot of libraries are having free classes. If you go to the different libraries, you can see that. Museums, many of them are having free classes. Uh, I have to confess that every single day at lunch lately... I have been completely tuning out by watching YouTube videos and yeah. I watch YouTube craft videos and art videos and and just sort of mindlessly cruising. It, it is such a vast ocean of free information. It is mighty and amazing. And I will also say that there are a number of membership sites um, where you can pay anywhere between like $3 a month to $10 a month and get access to a library of stuff and so that might be an option for some people because it's a lower cost you know to you and then I would also say of course um, classes don't have to be in the form of an actual like digital class I mean one of the things is the book uh, The Artist Way by Julia Cameron like that has for 20 years now been a self-directed workshop that people do with her book and there are a whole bunch of different books like that. I've recently been cruising some uh, books that I, I wish the library had, and but I've been cruising them on Amazon and stuff where they are basically like a workshop in a book for you to take. And they're obviously, you can find some of those for free, you know, at your library and stuff. And that can be a class for you. Uh, do manufacturers also have free classes? Shown? Manufacturers do often have free classes. I know Michaels, which is not a manufacturer, has been having a series of free classes of all kinds that you can sign up for. There are obviously, um, uh, uh, is it Strathmore very famously mm -hmm. does a series of free online classes every year. I mean, basically anybody who makes something that they want you to buy offers you a free class. <laughs> Because they want you to know how to use their product, right? That's beneficial to them because then you'll buy their product. So there is there is so much free content out there. And I will say that sometimes those of us who make a living off of producing content lament the fact that there is so much free content. And I can see both sides of it, I mean, which is why I create a ton of free content while at the same time keeping some content, you know, paid, which is I need to make a living, but I also appreciate that, like, there are people who either can't afford it or who need, you know, the um, free content in their lives. So it's, it's always about finding a balancing, you know, act there. So I think that uh, there is free content out there. You might have to do a little uh, research and it might not come in the, ter in the terms of a conventional class. Although, honestly, every single artist I know who teaches online has at least one free class in their 
arsenal because again like anything else it's the you know free sample that gets you to come back for more so if you're looking it up and you're not used to looking up things you know how to and then fill in the blank is a good way to start finding things how to find free content yeah <laughs> Um, some other things I noticed is, I mean, the word fun came up a lot. The a word lot. Um, connection or came community. up a lot or community. I think gratitude is another thing that came up along with the idea of art and learning sort of saving you from the chaos, you know, that is the pandemic and everything surrounding it. And I do think that there are a lot of reasons that people take classes, you know, uh, and I often, I, I always ask people at the beginning of a class with me, whether it's on Zoom or whether it's in person, what are you hoping to get out of class? And when I first started teaching, I was kind of nonplussed by the people who would say, oh, I just want to have fun. Because I thought, well, how am I supposed to do that? <laughs> you know, uh, by being my sparkling self is the answer. Um, but what they meant is they just wanted to make art. They just wanted to hang out and they ha didn't have any like great expectations other than the fact that they would have fun, you know, making stuff, which is kind of the best expectation of all. And, and I think that sometimes we get very like bent up and like wrapped around uh, this idea that like taking a class has to be something where like you're going to come out with this incredible knowledge and you're going to, you know what I mean, be a different person after and it's going to change your life. When I'll be able to do brain surgery <laughs> exactly. after this class. Where sometimes it's really just about having fun. You know, it's like, oh, I have a free, you know, two hours. This class is being taught. You know, why don't I just sign up, go have some fun, get out my supplies, get back into it. You know, I, and I think one of the interesting things that no one really mentioned, although maybe Joanne mentioned it with her etching press comment is that sometimes I think taking a class can get you out of uh, a creative slump. If you feel like you're either uh, have creative block or if you haven't been creating the kind of work that you want to and stuff like that, I think sometimes a class will jumpstart you. Even um, I can't remember who had said that she was taking Italian lessons and she was learning about all sorts of things that, you know, were potentially otherwise interesting to her about food and animals and Lord knows. But I mean, I, I think like, again, that's the idea, which is you can take a dance class and it can inspire your artwork. You can take, you know, I know that when I was little and you were trying to get away from me and find your center as a human, you took belly dancing classes. Talk about your center as a human. <laughs> but I think like, I really believe that all creativity is united and one, so for one of the things that they say is an enormous regret in terms of New York getting more expensive, along with a lot of other creative hubs becoming more expensive, is that artists don't have the same kind of accidental um, cross-pollination. Cross-pollination, because it used to be like you're living in a cold water flat next door to a trumpet player, below a tap dancer, by a poet, and suddenly you're making some sort of like, you know, multimedia work or you're being inspired by the rhythm to change, you know, the art that you're painting or blah, blah, blah. And now it's like people are just very separated and there, uh, there aren't these sort of like artist areas really anymore. And people tend to now believe in this whole, we, we talked about this before, but about niching down and so that you're just so specific in what you do that you don't sort of see the great wide world. I remember, so I went to Brown 
And one of the things that's interesting is they have this program called Plimi. And what it is, is you, as a senior in high school, you will basically apply to be accepted to Brown undergraduate and medical school at the same time. Why would you want to do that? Well, one of the things I think is so interesting about it is if you know that you're already accepted to medical school, it allows your undergraduate education to be a little more free. I mean, you still have to take organic chemistry and you still have to like meet all your requirements, but you don't have to major in something that looks good on an application. You don't have to be sort of focused on that life. So like I had a friend who was an Egyptology major. He knew he was going to become a doctor, but that's just something he was interested in. And the theory here is that it makes you a better doctor when you're a more well-rounded human being, when you're not so sort of like binocular, you know, telescope focused. Monocular. Monocular focused on this like singular idea and this goal instead of actually like breathing in and taking, getting a sense of the world and being a person who's actually interested in things, you know, um, you know, this goes with one yeah. of my recommendations on a previous podcast, which was the idea, it was an article about the idea that learning things that don't necessarily directly relate to what you do for a living mm -hmm. actually helps make you more resilient as a human being because you discover that you can do all these other things and you can change and i think it's also related to why don't you talk about how you've taught two uh classes online which were basically community building classes one for a school and one for uh a university group of administrators with the i and what they got out of it well, I think, you know, why do people do team building exercises? Why do they do retreat days? I mean, some of it is that there's practical work to get done, but some of it is also like getting your head out of the normal part of your job, doing something that is uncomfortable or new to you, using a different part of your brain to process, like all of these things make you uh, better, change your thinking, uh, transplant you from where you are into something new. And so both of those classes, one of them was meant sort of like as a fun exercise for some teachers on their first day. And the other one was meant to be, um, you know, get uh, this group of executives at this university thinking a little bit more clearly um, and creatively sort of about what they're doing. And, and I think the reason that creative thinking has become such a buzzword in uh, executive circles, can I say that, uh, in business and sort of executive circles, is just the idea that if we keep treading the same tracks over and over and over and over and over again, right? It's like you just start, if you can imagine, you know, years and years and years of people walking the same lines, it's just trenches that get deeper and deeper and deeper until you lose sight of what's actually happening above ground. And I think creative thinking is really about bringing in new people and new ideas who to challenge some sort of old established ideas. And so I was, I actually recently listened to this thing on the Harvard um, Business Review podcast where they were saying a really hot trend um, in hiring right now is to hire people who don't have, who don't have experience in the particular job that you're hiring for. 
So uh, they may come from a different industry. So you're a pharmaceutical company, you hire somebody who is a uh, beauty luxury brand marketer to come in and look at the marketing that you're doing for pharmaceuticals. So they do know marketing, but they don't know your business. Or conversely, you hire somebody who you know is uh, a salesperson to come in to your marketing department. So like they know automotive because they've sold cars for years and years and years, but now you're gonna talk to somebody who instead of having a marketing background actually knows what it takes to close the deal with the customer. And that's a different perspective. And so I, I think this this whole idea is really interesting because it gets into something that I think artists have always sort of been pictured as people who think differently, as people who are a little offbeat, a little kooky for good or for bad, right? They get painted that way, pun intended, I suppose. Um, and so it's this interesting idea that what we're trying to do is kind of find a way for everybody to think differently. And what that means organizationally, so there isn't chaos and anarchy, is that you still have to have like strong leadership and a commitment to a goal and all that kind of stuff. But it's the idea that you trust people to bring their whole life experience with them so that this is kind of related to what I wrote in the um, weekly, I have a weekly newsletter that goes out every Friday. And I was talking about how nothing is wasted because I had uh, loved this line from the movie Enola Holmes where uh, Enola is Sherlock Holmes' younger sister and she's very upset about something and Sherlock basically says to her, uh, you know, I was forced to take calligraphy and I hated every moment of it, but you know what, now I can decode anybody's handwriting or some something like that. And he says basically nothing is wasted. And I've been thinking a lot about that and I do think that like whatever learning you do, whether it's cooking or truck driving or jelly printing or bird drawing or anything like that, none of that learning is wasted because somehow, somewhere, you're, it comes out because you're pulling it with you, because you carry everything with you that happens to you, you know, um, which is for good or for bad, right? You carry all the bad stuff with you and you carry all the good stuff with you and the hope is that you can let go of the bad stuff. So, oh, actually, okay. Let's talk about the baby. My favorite topic. Again. I know, I know. So yesterday I was outside with the baby and the neighbor was weeding. And he was fascinated watching he, her weed. He, the neighbor? No. No. He, the baby. He, the baby, was fascinated watching she, the neighbor, weed. And so I was saying to him, I was like, look, she's weeding. That means she's taking away all the stuff that you don't want so that the stuff you do want will grow. Because the stuff that you don't want, right, is is creating a problem and it's strangling the stuff that you do want. Even if it's pretty, in the end, that's not what you want, right? Because she looks, she's pulling out what kind of looks like flowers. Um, and I was like, well, if this isn't the stupidest, most obvious metaphor in the whole world to teach a child or to teach anybody, which is in order for something you want to grow, you have to take away the things you don't want. And so sometimes that is, maybe there's a current thing that's easy for you and it looks like a shop and like your Etsy shop is doing well, but you hate it. And it's like, sometimes you need to let that Etsy shop go because it's a weed and it's strangling whatever it is that you really want to do that you don't have the time and the energy and the whatever for because you have this other thing. 
And I think that's just a great uh, metaphor for so much about life is what can you get rid of? What can you weed to allow something else to grow? Sometimes you have to weed out people who are toxic to you. Bye-bye, Mama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Absolutely. No, I think that's right. Because there are only 24 hours and you do have to sleep and eat and stuff like that, you really need to figure out if something is becoming just a chore, which you and do you need that in your life a chore an obligation a i mean there was a for a while i felt very obligated to read the news to suffer through things to be made furiously angry to like and i was like why am why am i doing this penance why am i you know every day i'm upset like like physically nauseous and like physically angry and like really upset based on stuff i'm reading in the news and it's like i was like i need to just if I just do a quarter of how much I'm consuming of that, I will be in better shape if I just do. So it's like I had to weed away those things to let some other things grow. And I think it's a good way. It's it's I think that that's a way of thinking about things that makes it easier to let go. Right. Well, a similar thing for me would be I used to feel that I had to read the newspaper from the front to the back and mm. at least touch on every single article to see if I it was something that I needed to know and now I feel free to dip in and dip out which is I think a very good way to think so let's um is there anything else that you wanted to bring up that you thought when you heard all those wonderful yes. responses yeah I think some people were kind of wondering what am I gonna do with all this art that I'm creating. I was thinking mm. of the woman who ended up with thousands of prints, for example. And I don't think you have to have an idea in advance. Uh, I like the way you use a lot of your uh, materials, papers, etc. that you make. You put them in your art journal, you turn them into collage fodder. I mean, there are ways that you turn it around. But uh, I don't think you have to know what you're going to do. Well, I mean, um, Marcel Duchamp, right? What is the definition of art? It's something that's totally useless. There you go. Um, and the other thing is I think you should feel free to change in the middle of your project. Like the person who said she was oppressed, uh, thinking that she had to do everything with, with the press. And then she didn't have to because it's her project. So... Feel free to change Imagine how many times we have all these self-imposed oppressions. I must get to this weight. Why? Why must you get to this weight? Why must you fit in those jeans? You know, or I must, like I have it sometimes where I, and I've had, I had to let it go in the early days of the baby where I was like, I must blog five days a week. And at some point it was so stressful and it was so hard and I couldn't do it and it was time away from the baby that I didn't have and didn't want to have and like it was very complicated at some point I was like sometimes there's a day without a blog post like where did that idea come from that this free thing I put out five days a week had to happen you know if I blog one day a week it's great you know and so I think that we just have so many self-imposed things that maybe we need to let go of and that actually is one of my favorite things about online learning especially for work at your own pace classes which is 
uh, I don't like classes that aren't lifetime access. I hate it when teachers give you like a certain amount of time. I just think that's really stingy and ridiculous. Um, personal preference. But so I, I just like to know that like in two years I can go back and look at that again. In three years I can go back and look at that again or I can deal with it again. In three years, I might not even remember that I ever looked at it in the first place. Exact demo. It'll be brand new. Yeah, and that's exciting. I I will say also that uh, it is it is fine to start something and then decide you are not. It's not for you. Yeah, one hundred percent. How many people start the hundred day project and then decide they don't want to do it? And you know what? I I think a lot of people slink away feeling like it was a failure. And the fact of the matter is, no, actually, it's an incredible success to be willing to stand up and to say, this isn't working for me and I'm not going to do it, period. Right. It, to know what you don't want to do is as important as to know what you do want to exactly. do. Exactly. And sometimes taking a class is about that. I've taken a lot of classes where I've either learned ways I don't want to teach, uh, students that I don't want to be uh or you know techniques or ideas that i just do not like and i think that all of those have been valid things and once again i take all that experiences all those experiences with me and they are rolled now into who i am and what i do and what i make okay okay we've solved all the world's problems you're welcome um, so that is it for our show um, as always you can find me at juliebalzer.com or on Instagram as Balzer Designs I do want to especially thank all the people who took the time to leave messages for us they were wonderful to hear and we enjoyed every single one of them um, if you'd like to leave a regular old written comment you can do so you can uh, send us an email or you can leave a comment uh, at balzerdesigns.com slash arting um, and you can always leave a review on Apple Podcasts or mention us on social media. That always helps other people find the show. So thanks so much for listening and subscribing. We'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. Mm-hmm.